wise sage, a new addition to our church. I think he's from Connecticut. Uh, he, he didn't get that. He, uh, he asked us, or I was talking to Pastor Linda or Pastor Joe, myself, about. he said, you know, we should really send the bulletin out via email. So that will be happening soon. So you're getting it here in church, and you're also getting it uh, via email. Wouldn't that be really nice? So you can look at things during the week. Nod your heads, yes. <laughs> well, good morning. If you weren't here uh, last week, well, first I have to preface everything by saying, please excuse my voice. I'm under the weather. Um, but I'm going to give you everything I have. My voice will probably be shot by the end. Uh, but this, it's an honor, and it's a privilege, and it's a pleasure to be here with you and to uh, preach God's word. And if you weren't here last week, I started a, I didn't really even plan on this, well, I should even go back two weeks ago, where we were looking at our vineyards, and we've been talking about that even on Wednesday nights. And last week, I started a, really a mini-series, and it was, it was on, excuse me, it was on a uh, C.S. Lewis quote from the Screwtape Letters. And we talked last week about the big C. We talked about the church through time and space and all across eternity, terrible as an army with banners. This week, we're looking at little c. This is the only picture I could find on the internet. I don't know who put it there. One of you put this picture there. That's our church, little c. And I want to lay out some vision today about who we are and what we are supposed to do as the local church here in this community. The church is not an edifice. The church is us. The church is you. The church is me. It is the people of God bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. We're agents of change. That's what God is calling us to do. And my dad alluded to it earlier. This is an election year. And don't you, I love every election, you know, every four years, the presidential election. This is the most important election in the history of the world, right? Do you always hear that? They are important, don't get me wrong. But they always talk about it'll be decision 2012, decision 2008. We have decisions that we have to make. And there's a vision, they lay out a vision. These candidates, and we don't, we're not about, you know, um, we're not about being, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, whatever your political ideology is, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you're welcome here in this place. It does not matter. But I love how the candidates will lay out a vision for what they see and where they want to take this country. That's kind of what this message is. Well, even last week and this week, a state of the church and who we really are. And I want to start out with a, um, a story I read from a John Ortberg book. And he talks about Nantucket Island, Nantucket Island in Massachusetts. How many people have been to Nantucket? I have not. My sister and brother-in-law go there uh, every year, every summer. So I'd ask them a couple of questions about the story I'm about to share with you. In Nantucket, the picture you see up there, there is a little museum that you can visit today. It is devoted to a volunteer organization that got formed a few centuries ago. Uh, in those days, travel by sea was extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous, whether it was the jagged rocks out there on the coast, um, the, the bad weather, it was really, really dangerous. And the, the crazy thing is, is that you could see ships go down from the shore. So follow us. You could, people that were on the shore, sometimes when there was bad weather, inclement weather, you could see ships go down. So some individuals got together and they formed what they called a life-saving community. Really wild. And this life-saving community, you know what they had? They formed on the shore what they called little huts of refuge. And in those huts, they stored food and supplies 
and they would go out, their job was to go out and rescue people when their boats went down at sea. You want to know their motto? You want to hear the motto of this life-saving organization? You have to go out, but you don't have to come back. Wow. And people signed up in droves. Can you imagine today an organization that was their motto? Are you kidding me? And people risked their lives. And I was talking to Scott a little bit. We were texting back and forth, and he said, oh, my gosh, some amazing stories there at that museum. And I was looking, looking online and reading some of the stories. I couldn't believe the people that laid their lives down for others, people that they didn't know. Watchmen on the wall. We will gather as a volunteer organization, and we will watch to see people that are out there, and we will go save them. You know what, friends? Something happened. As time went on, the professionals took over. The Coast Guard was formed, and, and this organization, this life-saving organization, was not needed. It wasn't necessary for them to go out. But what was wild and fascinating about the life-saving organization was they didn't stop meeting. They couldn't disband. And they would still meet, and they'd still give out community awards, and they'd still have dinner together, and they'd still celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. They shared their lives together. Friends, this could happen in churches, though, because they just got so comfortable and complacent and they kind of just met in their little groups. And this went on for a while. Can't that happen in churches? Oh, we get so, so comfortable with how things are and who we are and what we're doing. And we go through the routines of life. And we come to church on Sunday. Yeah, I'll go to church. I'll go to a meeting. Yeah, I'll do that. And we could go through the motions. Now, compare that to... Also in Nantucket, let me show you another picture, is the Nantucket Yacht Society. Oh, isn't that a beautiful picture? Now, the Nantucket Society is a little different than the life-saving community. How is this Yacht Society a little different? Well, the Yacht Society is about the needs of the individuals. Now, nothing against boating. You may have a boat. That's great. But the Yacht Society is about the comfort, ease, and security of the members that belong there. That's what they're all about. My food is not up to par. People will complain. They will complain about the dress code. They will complain about the furniture. They'll complain about everything. You need to meet my needs. Friends, we are not, as the church, to have a yacht club mentality. There is no room in the church for a yacht club mentality. If the 
welcome. Yeah. Uh, the menu for uh, today's service. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And if I may, mm -hmm. I'd just like to tell you some highlights and personal choices of my own with today's service. Uh -huh. uh, if you're looking at the appetizer section, uh, we have What If His People Prayed. This is an amazing song, upbeat. Hopefully we get into the clapping. It really breaks the atmosphere. However, sir, sir, this is a no smoking at that point. You're not. No, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. That's one check. As I was saying, uh, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we have Glorify. And really, you're just at the Lord's feet right here. This is a powerful song. I highly recommend it. Uh, if we're going into the entrees, today's sermon is the little C. Now, this is a game changer. It's 100% truth, and if I may make the recommendation, I would choose as long as it takes. Uh, that's where you get uh, all the, yes. What, what, what do you mean by as long as it takes? Well, as long as the uh, pastor needs to speak, as long as it takes to get the message out. Are you kidding? Be aware of the uh, football schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Just a recommendation, sir. You, you take whatever. And, and as, as, as an aside, uh, my particular favorite, Get a little drama on the side. It really helps and opens things up. <laughs> Are you telling me that you have put it here? A dramatic illustration? Yes, yes, we do. What we do after that is something that just puts a serve. It gives you a visual. Sounds appalling. Mo moving right along. Really? For dessert, we also have, um, as a recommendation, I would recommend the altar call with the prayer line as well. Uh, you really, it just, it just reinforces everything we've heard. In this prayer line altar call, do people actually touch you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, moving right along, uh, we also have coffee and cake, yeah. which is pretty ubiquitous. It is the standard here. And uh, lastly, we are doing a bake sale uh, in the back for um, a fundraiser for our Meals on Meals program. Wait a so. minute, wait a minute. Do you mean pastries inside of little baggies? Yes. <laughs> That's the stuff I throw out in the front. Yes, it is. It's gone into the sitting room all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a moment. Please. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How could you bring me to I'm place? sorry. Have you not seen this menu? Well, you know what? At least we'll just pick and choose a little of something and try to make it something we want. I, I, I'm surprised that you do not design it for me. <laughs> we are the we should get what we want. Exactly. <laughs> All right, maybe we can whip up something. Sir, Oh, Zach. Uh, yes, I am yes. Zach, and I can hear you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> can I start you off with something?
We laugh, right? You laugh when you see that and you hear that. But is that, is that not really true? Is that not really true? A sad commentary on the church. Let me tell you something. Little C, City on a Hill Community Church, is not about programs. It's not about having the right music. It's not about having great sermons. It's about something deeper. It's about something greater. This is a Jesus church. It was a Jesus church before I was here. It's a Jesus church now. It'll be a Jesus church when I'm gone. It'll be a Jesus church forever. That's what this place truly is. And you know what? We, I, 
I love what George Barna said in his latest book. George Barna's latest book, I'm looking at it this week, and he said, we're, we're, a, we're a, a culture, a, a, the church culture in America, our population, our general population is, what, over 300 million people? He said, we're moving towards a day when we'll have 300 million people that have their own religion. It's what can you, can you meet my specific needs and what I want in the church? Friends, I don't know if you were hit by that, this skit, but the humor is meant to talk about reality. And we need to talk and address this because this is something that's out there. We need to eradicate this notion that we come in and you are a customer. No, no, no. You are part of this community. You are to get out from the bleachers and you are to get into the game. We're not stopping. We just keep moving. I'm an educator. I know that you, we have to constantly keep the same message and the vision before us or what happens? People perish. We forget. We're pe- that's human nature. We forget things. We constantly have to be reminded about what's true and real and important. And let me tell you, the church, little c, our competition is not all the other churches that are out there. It is not all the other. Every other single church, God bless the Episcopalians, the Lutherans, the Methodists, other non-denominational churches. God bless Holding Out Hope. God bless Smithtown. God bless the Lutheran church in the woods over there. God bless them. They are our allies in this battle. They're with us. I looked at this, and this is, this is, did you know there are over a hundred kinds of Baptist denominations alone? There are Northern Baptists, there are Southern Baptists, there are American Baptists, there are General Baptists, there are Particular Baptists, there are Primitive Baptists, get this, I'm not making this up, a whole denomination called Two Seed in the Spirit Predestinarian Baptist. I don't know what they believe, but God bless them that they exist. There are so many different denominations out there, so many different churches. That's part of what we're doing on Wednesday. It's the body of Christ. It is big C all around this world, bombarding heaven with our prayers. Lord, will you hear our prayers? We're coming before you humbly as a people. That's what's happening. There is power when that takes place. Get out. If you haven't yet, get out from the sidelines. And I have never in my life seen up here... 10D people, and some of you who never, I know it's hard, you never, you come to prayer meetings and maybe you sit back, you are moving out of your comfort zone. You could have sat on that couch at home, but you chose to come here. Why is there a reserve sign on that couch, by the way? Who is it reserved for? <laughs> Kept thinking of that all morning. I'm going from, I'm like, who is that reserved for? It better not be reserved for one of you. Let me tell you what we are in the business of doing. Let me tell you what Jesus said as his mission statement. He's talking to his disciples, and he says these words in Matthew 16, 18. And also I say to you, he asks them, who do people say I am? You know that famous passage. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Friends, we have this picture as the little C, or really even both the big C, and I know it's in this room. 
we think that, oh my gosh, the imagery is that we as the church are kind of huddled in the corner and we're afraid of the forces of darkness that are out there. That is not what Jesus is saying. He is saying we are to be on the attack we as the little C, as city on a hill, community church, are supposed to be taking the battle to the enemy. We are to be the aggressors. Amen. Are we doing that in our individual lives? Are you doing that? Do you have that kind of mentality when you wake up in the morning, oh Lord, make me dangerous. I don't want to live a safe life. Make me dangerous for you and make me a part of this community and we are going to prevail. We are going to take the battle to the enemy. Why do we sit back all the time? Why do we always, oh man, the enemy's really after me. Will you strike back? Stop sitting back, being passive. No more apathy, complacency. We don't have time for that. And let me tell you, the will of God, or I should say the work of hell, the work of hell anywhere is where the will of God is defied. C.S. Lewis said that. The work of hell is where the will of God is defied anywhere. What does that look like, friends? What are we supposed to do as the little C? Where is the will of God being defied? Anytime you see kids out there that are unloved and are unwanted, that is the will of God being defied. Anytime somebody idolizes money and they look to that for security and for comfort and for ease, that is the will of God being defied. Anytime a man and a woman stand before God and they, they come to an altar and they get married and then that marriage crashes and burns, that is the will of God being defied. And any time people in a church get complacent and apathy sets in and they feel comfortable, any time that happens, that is the will of God being defied. May it not be City on a Hill Community Church. This is not a day and an hour to sit back and be passive. We ought to take the attack to the enemy. And let me tell you, this, if you get nothing else out of this, this sermon this morning, with my raspy voice, this is what we are. This is our mission. We are to put hell out of business. Amen. You are to put hell out of business. That is our job. Did you hear me? Hell is to go out of business. You and me together as a church, as the little C, have the power through God to put hell out of business. But friends, do you really believe that we can do that? Do the forces of darkness look at you and say, oh, that, oh I'm in trouble today. Whoa. Are you on the enemy's radar because you really believe this? That we as a community have the power to put hell out of business? I don't know, I'm looking around. I don't know. I pray that is something that you do believe. Lord, give us the faith to believe that can really happen in this room. Lord, even as I speak, will you instill that in people? May we really, truly believe that and see how dangerous we are. The enemy, we talked about the screw tape letters, told you it's my all-time favorite book. I love, if we were to take that where the senior demon is mentoring that younger demon, 
What would the enemy tell us today as the little C, as City on a Hill Community Church? What would he whisper to us in trying to take us out and having us move away from what our vision should be, what we should be doing in putting hell out of business? What is he saying to us? What is he trying to do? And for the rest of this message, this is what I want to do. Some of you have seen this before. This is the, what I'm holding. It's the City on a Hill Community Church vision statement. I want to hold before you, I told you, kind of like a politician, they lay their vision out. I want to lay out some of the vision of this house and this place and talk about what, you, what we're called to do. And in this coming year, I feel led to it. I want to do a series on this. On every part of this, and we talk about as a church, we talk about having a journey upward, inward, shared, and outward. These different journeys are who we are as a church. And the first one here, let me just talk briefly. The last one I'm going to talk about a little bit longer. I'm not even going to hit all of them. But journey upward, and this is part of our vision statement. We believe Jesus Christ came to earth to reconnect us to the intimacy of experiencing God in our everyday lives and to his great plan and purpose for this world. So if the evil one was coming after us, what would he whisper to us in the morning as we get up? What would he say to us? Because this is the with God life. That's what we're talking about here. The journey upward is living with God. It's Brother Lawrence. It's practicing his presence. Whatever we're doing. We have to talk about that book, by the way. We're going to talk about that in the coming months. How do we live the with God life? Well, if I was the enemy, and I'm not, thank gosh, but the enemy, what are some of the lies he would say to us? He would say to us, don't ask God for peace. Just kind of live within the boundaries of anxiety. Don't ask for peace. Don't ask for wisdom. Live the God without life. You don't need God. You can handle everything on your own. How many of you go through a day? Do you ever go through a day and you, at the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even think of you, God. It's happened to me before. If it hasn't happened to you, you're lying. It happens. It happened to me a couple of weeks. I was so busy at work. At the end of the day, I was like, wow. I said, you know what, Lord? I don't want that to be the case. I so want to bring you into everything I do, whether I'm at work in front of a classroom and for you, wherever you work, when we're home with our kids, as hard as that can be, whatever we're doing, that we bring God into it. Why do we separate? Why do we compartmentalize? We must eradicate the notion, this is your spiritual life. This is not your spiritual life. Coming to church for two hours. This is not your spiritual life. Your spiritual life is everything you do, who you are, bringing God into all of it. And he lives with us. And he has his way. He lives and he moves in us. And what he's, what he's trying to do, friends, he's trying to distract us. Get distracted. Oh, you're so tired. Be so busy with everything that you have going on. Oh, that prayer meeting would be nice, but you're really busy. You're really, I don't, you know what? I don't need to be there. I'm not one of those prayer people. Come on. I don't really need to be there. I'll do my duty. I'll go to church on Sunday. I don't need to do that. He's stretching us in this hour. You need to be stretched. 
you need to realize the bleachers are no place for you. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, everybody that's gone on before us, they are cheering us on like you're in a big stadium and they're saying, get out from the bleachers. This is not where you're supposed to sit. Get in the game. Oh, it's so hard not having a voice. I hope you're hearing my message. Be distracted. Be attached to the world. Be afraid to do anything. Be afraid to take risks. You know what Jesus said? It's, it's, the, it's the Feast of the Tabernacles where they, they celebrate God's goodness. And I, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And of course, it's a well-known passage. But look what Jesus stands up and says at this Feast of Tabernacles. He says this, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I love what the old King James says, out of his belly, out of your core. We live in a society, right? I, I love to exercise. Everything is about your core. The new thing is core training. Do this, whether it's the kettlebells. My sister's looking over at Suzanne as we speak. They're all into it. People, and some of you I know are into that. It's all about the core. Your core is your, the deepest part of who you are. But let me tell you, you know what we settle for? Think about water. I was thinking about this. I live in this place now. I live next to these people, your senior pastors. And I, I've said this before, Pastor Joe loves his flowers, right? You've been over the house, you see Pastor Joe loves the flowers, which means there has to be a lot of sprinkler zones, a lot of water. So the water bill is pretty nice in the summer months, moving into the fall. And I love, he even asked me the other day, can you go in the basement and write, I never knew you could do this. Can you go in the basement and write down the actual number for the water authority? They take a dollar off your bill. <laughs> really? Really? I'd rather pay the extra dollar and make them have to figure out what that number is. Not very Christian, but I'm not doing that. But I was, I was thinking about water in general. What am I really trying to say? I'm thinking about water in general. Do you sit there when you turn on the shower or the faucet in the kitchen? Do you sit there and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe how much water is here. It just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming out, right? Do you ever sit there and think that? You have, some of you. Okay. Well, I'm looking at it this week as I'm sitting in the kitchen, and we think there's an infinite supply of water. There's not an infinite supply of water. And the water that comes out, you pay for that. Men, when your wives want to take a half an hour showers, you pay for that. Jesus is offering us here in this passage. He is saying, I am offering you an infinite reservoir of water that you can tap into any time you want. And friends, some of us in here, we're settling for a little trickle of water, and we wonder why. He's saying anybody who is dissatisfied, anybody who is discontented, anybody, you come to me, and forever you will have rivers of living water flowing from inside you, and it'll never end because my reservoir is infinite. Amen. Isn't that good? That's what he wants for us, the with God life. I want to be part of a church. I want to be part of a people that will give up anything to have this in their lives. He is so put on my heart, friends. I am somebody that's out there. I want to be so outspoken about nominal Christianity. 
in this day that we don't just be people that come to church and attend, that we truly would experience what he has. Have you not experienced enough of what the world says will give you peace and joy and happiness? Infinite, infinite joy and happiness. How about journey number two? Journey outward. So I said in the beginning, we talked about that Nantucket um, the, the people that started that life-saving organization. Well, this is part of our vision statement for this church, for the little C. In being transformed by Christ, there is a profound need to live beyond oneself. It is the kingdom of God. Our desire is to courageously live this life in our homes, schools, and workplaces. What would the evil one say to us? What is he whispering to us even now as you hear this? Stay on the bench Stay in the cloister. Do not leave. Stay here. Do not take the risks. Keep your faith secret. People don't want to hear about your faith in Jesus Christ. They don't want to hear anything about that. Oh, you're going to get mocked and you'll get ridiculed. Oh, you, don't you open your mouth. How many of you hear that? You're at work and you want to get in a conversation with somebody. Or you just meet somebody and you feel as if, oh, they would never want to hear this. But what if the Spirit of God has put it on your heart? What if he is asking, nudging you, urging you to say something about the testimony that you have inside about who God is? Friends, we're doing things in this church. and we, Let me tell you, let me commend you. We do a marvelous job in a lot of ways. Can't be satisfied and complacent with where we're at. We're feeding the, the people that are in need out there. Yeah, good, but there is more that we can do as a church to bring the gospel to this community. There is more that we will do, friends, if we stay united and believe that God can use us. But it's not a time to stay on the bench. And I want, how many of you have some, let's make this really concrete. Is there somebody in here, everybody in here, is there somebody that you have, that you have, you're concerned about their spiritual well-being? Just raise your hand. Maybe somebody that's not even here. All right, here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone. I want you to take out a picture of somebody that you're concerned about their spiritual well-being, whether it's a picture on the phone, whether it's if you, you don't have your phone, or you don't have, whether it's your driver's license, and you want to put that up to the person next to you and say, I care a lot about this person, that's you. If you want to put that up and say, my grandkids are, are cuter than your grandkids. No, really, for a second, I want you to just take out a picture of somebody or something. See, I don't have my phone. I have my wife on my phone as my background. Do you have me as the background on your phone? <laughs> Probably not. Take a second. Just show us, tell somebody next to you about a picture or something. Pull something out of your pocketbook, something. Show somebody next to you a picture. Go ahead, don't be afraid. Okay, now I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what God sees. I want you to think about what God sees when he looks down and how much he loves that person and how much he loves those people in the community in which you live. 
He sees kids running around the streets that are lost. He sees people that are sexually confused, involved sexually in promiscuous ways. It breaks his heart. We live, in a, we live in a culture that kind of looks at Christianity in a sense, in a way that says it's kind of goofy and it's kind of a joke sometimes, do we not? And they see things maybe on the TV and they see things maybe tell evangelists or people and, and God bless them, they're, they're trying to propagate and spread the gospel, the message, and I'm not disparaging them, but I'm just saying there are people out there that God loves and he cares about and he died for them and we can't lose sight of that as a church. And that's even part of when we're praying and we're praying for our nation, we have to be on our knees praying for those people that we love, those people that we see. Are we truly praying for our community? Little C, are we praying for this community? Journey outward. And then finally, this is the one I'm going to spend the most time on. Journey shared. We were created to enjoy intimacy with God while experiencing meaningful and deep connections with others as well. Inherent in the human heart is the desire to be part of an authentic community where everyone is loved for who they truly are. This is part of the vision and, the, and who just this is a statement about who we are as a people. We were created for community. And I wanted to share, this is, this is my favorite part of the sermon, this whole, this whole ending on this piece. I saved the best for last. There is a passage, I want you to look at this. It's in Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4. Something you've probably read a million times, you probably didn't pick up on this before. Jesus calls the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. Simon, who was called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his, his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, notice that's underlined, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, why are those two names underlined? You have to see this, what Jesus did when he is forming this first small group and who he puts in it. Because I know sometimes Dallas Willard says it when he talks about community. The people that you are here with in a church, the people that you least want to spend time with are the people that he puts there for you in front of you for you to love. The people you least want to be with are the people that you will have to work it out with in church. Oh, how, how pleasant it is when the brethren dwells in unity. But let me get back to this. Look at this. Matthew is a tax collector. You have to see this. this is, I, I would give anything to see what this was like when they first got together. Simon the Zealot. A zealot was a terrorist. Think of a terrorist. Somebody who wants to overthrow Rome. They hate Rome. The number one reason why they hate Rome is because taxes are levied against them. That is the number one reason why. So here is this guy who hates Rome with a passion, is militant, is very aggressive. Jesus says, hey, buddy, you're going to come with me. You're the terrorist. Hey, guys, Simon the terrorist is here. So everyone say hi to him. And he takes Matthew, the only people, the only people that the zealots hated more than Rome we're the tax collectors. This is the number one person in which he hated. Can you imagine the relationship, like the, the, just the talking? I see this guy, Simon, like kind of maybe he's got like a shank or something, and he wants to go after him with everything. That Jesus is like, Simon, I told Simon, don't even think about it. 
These guys had to work it out together. What were their conversations like? These are real human beings. Stop brushing past us that they were just with Jesus. Are you kidding me? I guarantee you there were fights. I guarantee you they got dirty looks. When Jesus turned around and Simon kind of gave him a look, like, yeah, I'll get you. You know what you did? I will get you. Jesus is saying, you need to work it out in your community. You need to work it out together. Regardless of what you think about other people, you have to work it out together. And I'll tell you a little secret. You look at the church. The world isn't starving for people that all think the same way. They all dress the same way. And they all act the same way. The world is starving for people, the church, for us, little C, to love them for exactly who they are and how God created them. Whether they're black, white, old, young, Asian, it doesn't matter. We are to love them for who they are. And this is a church, whether you love rock or whether you love Bach, whether your hair is blue, whether your hair is white, whether you have tattoos, you have no tattoos. This is a place for you. And those people out there that may be different than you, this is a church for them too. This is a body. This is a community where they can come and they can work it out with us. But what do we do? What do we do? We... We judge, we gossip, we look at other people, as Megan said in the skit today, oh, they look a little different, oh, I can't believe you're wearing that. I can't believe they act that way. Why would they say that? I'm guilty of this, just like you. We all are in this place. There's a tremendous, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is of Jacob and Esau. Many of you know it, right? And at the end of the story, these are brothers that are estranged from each other. They've been fighting for a long time. And it's the night before they're going to meet each other. I love this. And there is Jacob. He has an encounter with an angel of the Lord. And he wrestles with the angel of the Lord. And what happens? Don't, I'm not, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And the angel takes his finger and hits the hip socket. And he, for the rest of his life, will walk with a limp. And there's the next day. Oh, what a scene this must have been. And there's Jacob, and Esau's in the distance, and Jacob is walking, but Esau sees that his brother is now walking with a limp. And maybe that erases everything, because the two brothers come, and they embrace each other. And there's real love. Love wins. Friends, how many of you are truly walking with a limp and showing your limp to other people? Dan Hallander has a book. I love this guy. He has a book, Leading with a Limp. I read it, and it meant so much to me. I'm a leader. I don't know how else to lead, but speak and lead with a limp. I am a broken vessel, a broken person that doesn't have it all figured out. But I want to be in authentic relationship with other people. I want to be real. We were in the prayer meeting the other night. Pastor Linda broke us up into prayer groups. And I prayed with Jamal and Naeem. And we just, we, she said, what is, what's going on in your vineyard? Where are you at in your vineyard? Where do you need help? And to be honest with my brothers, how freeing it was to be honest with them and really tell them what was going on inside. Guys, I'm having a hard time. Just getting beat up physically, mentally, exhausted. Getting beat up. Instead, I could have said, oh, everything's good. It's like a curse word. I'm so sick of these Christian curse words. How you doing? Fine. Could get hit by a truck out there. Your leg needs to be amputated. And, and the ambulance comes up to you. The person, how you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Need my leg amputated, but I'm okay. 
Really? When are we going to be real? Real with each other. And I look in the Bible, look at some of the stories. Think about the stories of people. Do you think Moses, when he's on the backside of, of this mountain, he's in the desert, he's killed an Egyptian soldier, and he's there for 40 years. Do you think if I interviewed him and said, Moses, how you doing? You think he would have said, fine? You think when I went up to Daniel and said, hey, Daniel, how you doing? You were just taken from your homeland. You're put in Babylonian captivity. You're never going to go back to Jerusalem. You're put in a lion's den. How you doing? You think if I went up to somebody like Mary, after an angel of the Lord visits her and, and tells her, you are going to conceive and have this child. Oh, it's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. You are going to be the one that brings God into the world, Jesus Christ. And she has to go back and she has to talk to her husband who knows they have not had relations. Do you think I said, Mary, how you doing? She'd say, fine. You think if I went up to Jesus Christ when he was living, he was mocked, he's ridiculed, he's beaten, he's humiliated, and he's hanging on a cross. You think if I went up to him and said, Jesus, how you doing? You think he would have said, fine? No. I want real. I don't want fine in this place. You need to be real. hidden. Evil, the evil one wants us. Don't confess your sins. Hold grudges. Judge other people. I was reading this. It's funny how there's something about having little kids that can make pretending impossible. Did you ever notice that? I'm quite adept at this now. I try to pretend it doesn't really work that well. We were at like a bouncy house recently a couple of weeks ago with some friends and the kids are playing Right, do you notice? Like, you can't, it's impossible to, who you are comes out when you have little kids. Does it not come out with us? The other night when Jameson would not eat his pasta, we've, don't judge me, tried every single method with the child. I've tried the hits, I've tried to walk away from the child. I've beat the kid numerous times. I have tried everything in discipline. Have we not tried everything? Tried everything under the sun to discipline this child. But I, and I, I read this, I thought this was so, it's really funny. I think it's funny. Um, kids are asked to respond to these questions. How could a stranger tell if two people are married? Derek, age eight, this is what he said. You'd have to guess based on whether they are both yelling at the same kid. <laughs> this is my favorite. I do not recommend this, but I had to share it. How do you make a marriage work? A seven-year-old kid says this. Tell your wife she is pretty even if she looks like a dump truck. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <coughs> Excuse me. Terrible, right? Terrible, awful. Who sees your limp? Who knows when you're a dump truck? Who knows really when you, you're, you just feel like a dump truck? Because on the outside, we are so adept at hiding what is really going on in the inside. Oh, we are so good at it. 
We are masters. City on a hill, we still have room to go in building authentic relationships with each other because if the hour really is late and there's a lot for us to do and we're getting involved in prayer, we need to be united together. There is no time to get involved in trivial things. There is no time to get caught up in judging and gossiping. May we be a people that are together. And I had to do this. I have to take you back a little bit. I didn't script this, so not like me. This church started over 30 years ago. I want to thank, where's Eileen? Is Eileen? Eileen? Eileen was nice enough to give me some pictures from years ago when this church first started. God help some of you um, today, what I'm about to do, showing some pictures. But really, I wanted to talk and I wanted to preach from my heart here and tell you this church was started years ago community of people that mentored some of you in here, some of you have been around for a long time, and you were mentored for about 10 years. And in the early 1980s, that little white building down the road, some of you have never, never, we've been worshiping here for about five years now. They started a church there, and I'm leaving out a lot of pieces, obviously with time constraints, but suffice it to say there there was a vision, there was a mission that that church was on. And there was a group of you that are in here. And you know what? You started something. And then there was a terrible event that happened. I looked at the pictures. I told Megan yesterday. If you don't know this, we went through a church breakup. Was it 1984? 82. 82? All right, 1982, there was a church breakup. And if you know anything about church history, churches don't come back from the dead. Usually church breakups, that's it. These people, it was was actually, as a kid, I'm not going to lie to you, there were nine months where we didn't have church as a young kid. It was like, it was actually quite enjoyable at times. <laughs> I'm honest. Frank, hey, Franklin Graham, before, he got kicked out of Stony Brook. I made it through Stony Brook. By the grace of God, I made it. But really, there was a group of people that's, and, and I wanted to just show you some pictures. We don't talk enough about the history of this church. No, really. Let's see. This is a guy, many of you don't even know, who is that? Dana, a guy named Dana Congdon from, what an amazing speaker. He had, he, right? Yes, it is me. You know what I was upset about? I cut the picture, I cut the picture out a little bit. I didn't put, I didn't put this in here because I, I'm in the picture. I put it in here. You can see me. I'm right there. You know what I'm most upset about? To the left, uh, to the left of the picture where it's cut out, there is a bottle of Pepsi. That's what I was most upset about, that my parents were making me drink Pepsi Cola as a child. That's where I went. My mind, sick. Pray for me. I don't, I'm serious. I, Pepsi, what are, you, what are you looking? I know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Poison. They were poisoning me as a child. I thought you got that. I'm sorry. A guy that was very instrumental in the early church. Let's see, let's see another picture. Oh, here's Pastor Joe. <laughs> Typical Joey fashion to call him at home. How about another one? Bill and Lee, Ebony and Ivory, they used to do this little act. <laughs> Lebo, where are you? Lebo, got you. Had to. Pretty cool, right? Girls, sorry. <laughs> Love the quaffs, hair all quaffed out. <laughs> Melody, Kristen, hey, blame that on your good friend over here. 
she made me put that one in. Here's another one. Chris and Kathy. <laughs> Look at Chris. Right, very, Chris, you were straight then. <laughs> Look at this. This is in. Now, many of you don't know this part of our story. We were in Reliable Garden and Fence down there. That's where we used to worship for a while. Cliff, you don't age. <laughs> Look at you with the microphone. Your hair's a little grayer, but amazing. But look, look, really, honestly, Eileen, the faithfulness, really, of people here through the years, the faithfulness. Oh, there's another one, Bill and Alice, Chris and Kat. I mean, there were so many. Amazing. You guys, you all look good. Oh, there. <coughs> Those are your pastors at a retreat. Remember this retreat with Dell and Terry? That's where this is from. And then I want to leave you off with, this is the last one of, of your pastors. I know. I, I like this. This, is, this, this atmosphere is, is so relaxed, you're all, right? Very funny. Listen, friends, I, I left off, I, I stopped here at this picture, and not to really even talk about your senior pastors. and it, Amazing what has transpired, right, over these years for those people that have been around for this. Amazing. Let me tell you what the toughest part was looking at the pictures. I cried. She, you, can, you can ask my wife. There were so many faces of people. And I even woke up this morning. I would just keep thinking about people, and I started praying for people. Not people. Some people were called to go to other churches, and I get that. I understand that. But there were so many faces of people that were just taken out of the game by the enemy. Totally taken out where they don't even follow the Lord anymore. I saw face after face after face of people and what happened to their lives. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That cannot happen again. We need to be united. This is not a church where you come in and say, how can you serve me? This is, we are not perfect by any means. There is no church out there that is perfect. But there is a vision that was started 30 years ago. And let me tell you something, it's still going strong. And we have a commission from God. We are to put hell out of business. Amen. Are you all in? Are you all in to what is happening in this church and where we are going? I love that story. I wasn't going to share. Give me, please, five more minutes, I promise. Not even five. I'm a little long-winded today. I get it. Um, remember the, the Giants? They won the Super Bowl last year. Did you see that whole story on ESPN where a guy went in? He was a high school math teacher, the chaplain for the Giants. If I could do it over, I, I'd, love, I'd love to be a chaplain for a sports team. That would be amazing. And this guy had one of his friends who was a high school math teacher, and he went in, and he gave them a talk before the Jets game on Christmas Eve. That, remember that game? It turned their whole season around. And he gave, them, he gave them poker chips, which I don't advocate, but he gave them like gambling. He gave them poker chips, and on the chip it said, all in. And every single guy on that team bought it. They bought into what was going on, all in. Church, are we all into what God is calling us to do? Let me tell you something. Abraham had his day. Moses had his day. Ruth had her day. Esther had her day. Peter had his day. Mary had her day. Everybody that's went before, they've had their day. It's now your day as the little C, the church. What are we going to do with it?
that we truly seize the day here as a church. And what if, friends, please, just get, what if this really would happen here, that we would buy in and we really could change this community? What if, I wrote some things down, I said, what if divorce lawyers had to start to go in other areas because there's no divorce here in the community? What if, friends, porn sites and sex shops shut down? What if crime went down? What if unemployment went up? What if uh, domestic abuse hotlines went silent? What if that really happened in your community? Do you believe that can happen here? Yes. Yes. We are the agents of change that have to bring that about. And lastly, I promise, 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 last. In the 1700s, I told you I, would, I, I can't fit it. I couldn't fit it in the whole message. I want to talk a lot about part of the reason I'm probably sick is because all I've been doing is pouring over the great awakenings from the past in this country. The first great awakening in the 1700s. The second great awakening in the 1800s that happened here on American soil. Did you know, can I just give you one highlight? In the 1700s, there was a guy, a preacher, by the name of George Whitfield. George Whitfield, they say, estimates say that four out of every five colonists, four out of every five heard the man speak. He was an Anglican minister that came over from England and he came here to the States. He was such a great orator and people were so convicted of their sin. People like Benjamin Franklin, who wasn't even a Christian. He would have to come listen to George Whitfield speak because he, he saw something that he had never seen before. The man preached over 18,000 sermons in a 30-year period of time. And here I am, and I sit here, and I kind of like look at him going, man, I'm sick. He spoke to thousands of people without a microphone. He would preach outside. He preached more than he slept. He would preach 40 to 60 hours a week. And people would come in droves, businesses. People would not drive. They would get on horse and carriage, and they would come from all over to hear this man speak. Can I give you one more little story? He's in Philadelphia. It's April 2nd, 1740. There are 10,000 people that are there that have come to listen to Whitfield speak. He opens his mouth and he says, he quotes Jesus, and Jesus said, and historians, biographers, not just Christian, this is real history. They say two miles away, his voice could be heard in Gloucester. Two miles away, real history. You go look it up. Or you want to talk to me about history, bring it. These are real things that happen in history. He wasn't a perfect man, but God used him in America. And in the 1800s, the Second Great Awakening, we have to talk about some church history. Can a Third Great Awakening happen? Why not? Amen. Why can't it happen? As we come to this table, I forgot about the table. As we come to this table, I want you to evaluate where you are in this church. As I laid out some of the vision, be honest with God, where are you truly at? It's all right if you say, you know what, when it comes to the journey shared, I'm alone. I'm not really sharing my life. I'm really not an authentic community. My life with God, oh man, it's in the pits. You bring it to this table today. Things are happening. You bring it Wednesday. You keep bringing it. You keep asking. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, ask, ask. And you believe that God can do something because he wants to do something. I will go down. The message has been burned inside of me. 
Ever since I was a Christian that was really changed about 15 years ago, this has been something I've always loved looking at revivals and church history and seeing things like the Great Awakenings. I want to believe that for our generation. I want to go down fighting. I want to contend for the power of God to move in our midst. That's what we want for this church. Big C, little C. May we be contenders. Not I could have been a contender. No, no, no. Contend, fight, get in the game. Lord, Lord, I want you to make us all contenders. Lord, keep building the faith inside of all of us. Not just this church, Lord. We just want to be a part of another great awakening. We want to be a part of something that you want to do. I thank you that it's real history. I thank you that we can look back and see how these individuals during the first and second great awakening change lives. I want to thank you that you put people here in the midst here. Lord, you have blessed us beyond comprehension with the land that's been given us. The people have new music. I mean, the list goes on and on of things that you have done in our midst. Lord, you've had your hand on this place. Lord, take us out of our complacency and comfort zone. May we move ahead as an army, wielding our swords, ready for battle. May we not stop until the gates of hell go out of business. Church. Stay alive and keep moving. Stay in the game. He's going to try to do everything he can to take you out this week and moving forward. Ushers.